630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Good to have you along for the ride tonight. Don't forget, we are back with Oilers broadcasts on Thursday. The Oilers will host the Los Angeles Kings. That'll be a 5.30 face-off show with the game starting at 7. And then Saturday, New Year's Eve, we'll have a special two-hour face-off show starting at 6. The game against the Vancouver Canucks will start at 8. It's a best of inside sports tonight. And uh, about a week and a half ago, I was pleased to have Justin Sorensen in studio recently re-signed with the Edmonton Eskimos. He did a great job as their center anchoring the offensive line this season. And I was talking to Justin about his decision to live in Edmonton year-round. Yeah, I moved out here full-time. I finally left my place in Vancouver. So, yeah, I'm living out here full-time now. I got engaged and found a girl out here, so gave me a reason to stay. Okay, well, that's another story in itself we're going to get to. But uh, what, what was this, your second year as an Eskimo? Uh, yeah, it was, it was my th- no, it was my third year. Third year as an Eskimo. So, uh, oh, so 14, 15, 16, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, three pretty decent years. So playoffs every year, above 500 every year. A great cup, pretty good. Um as Edmontonians, we're, we always are, we're always kind of flattered when people from other parts of the country, athletes from other parts of the country, make Edmonton their off-season home. Did you ever expect that you'd be calling Edmonton home year-round? No, because like I said, I played for BC, I played for Winnipeg, and even my first year or two here, I always went back to Vancouver in my off-season. But, I mean, Edmonton's actually a great town, and I'm having a great time here, and it made sense for me to stay. Uh, did your perception of Edmonton change as you became an Eskimo? Oh, for sure. Before before I played here, I, it wasn't one of my favorite cities. And then now that I live here, I realize how wrong I was, and it's actually a great city to live in and great fans and great people. So what was your what caused your initial perception and what caused the change? <laughs> uh, well, just I'd never really been here, and I mean, honestly, a lot of other places you hear bad things about Edmonton, and whenever we came, I just didn't think it was that nice of a city. And then once I signed here and actually lived here, I realized that I was completely wrong, and it's actually a great place to be. What are some of the things that won you over? Uh, I mean, honestly, like, there's so many, like, bars and restaurants and, like, places to eat and, like, places like that. Like, even, like I live in Vancouver, and I find even here that there's such a variety and so many different places that are fun to go to and stuff. So that that's a good thing. And uh, and the sports fans here are way better than BC, obviously. I mean, BC's Fairweather fans, where the Eskimos and Oilers fans are pretty diehard. So that's another great positive. All right. Well, first of all, I have to chuckle a little bit that the first thing the offensive lineman mentioned as the player Plus is the food variety. <laughs> you, you guys are supposed to be moving away from that stereotype, Justin. <laughs> hey, we're still 6'8", 300 pounds. You, well, you, you, you are a big man. Yeah. Uh, so, well, well, that, well, that's great. I mean, we're pleased to hear that. I know I've had, uh, you know, J.C. Sherrod on, and he, he said, I, I asked him in, when he signed last year, I said, what do you like to do on a day off in the summer? He's like, I just go go to White Ave and hang out and grab a drink or something to eat. So yep. uh, Edmontonians are, are pleased to hear that that you're 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 fitting into our our scene here um you mentioned that you recently got engaged and i don't know the whole story but i i heard that it's it's pretty cool and kind of unique so can i just 
yeah, throw so the mic to you sure. and you can take it away? Well, I wanted my engagement to be special, and and we, I wanted my whole family to be there and hers as well because me and, me and Madison were both very family-orientated. And the only place I could think of where I could bring all... 40 or 50 family members together at one time without it being suspicious was the football game. And I wanted it to be a surprise to her as well. And so my kind of my thoughts were, I think when we played BC, I'm like, well, after the game, I'll go inside, I'll go inside, change, or not even change, just go inside, do the breakdown with the team. And then after all that was done, I'd come back out and I'd told her that I wanted to get pictures with all the family. Okay. And so is she, this here or in Vancouver? No, this was here. This was the home game. The home you game. You guys won yeah. that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I told her I wanted pictures with all the family because my mom flew up and all of our families were both there. And so she had no idea. And so, and so when I came back out, I had a, I grabbed a hand warmer and I put the ring box in the hand warmer so she wouldn't see it because obviously we're wearing all spandex. There's not very many places to hide a ring box. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, yeah, so we came out. We came out, and then she, like even like our our person our personnel people knew. So there was a few cameras following me, and like even afterwards. She's like, I was wondering why those cameras were following you. And so and then, yeah, I got down on me, proposed, and she said yes. So, so that was, was right on the, the track area at yeah, Commonwealth? Yeah, then? just right off the turf. Yeah. Uh, so her name's Madison? Yeah. Is she listening right now? Uh, I don't think so. I hope so. Well, she should. T- when, you, when, when you see her, they tell her she should be listening yeah. inside sports all the time. Is she, no, is she an Edmontonian? She is. Born and raised. Uh, can I ask how you met? Uh, she actually is working as a bartender at Earl's. No way. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> me and Kinger and Shaw and uh, and Calvin McCarty, we all went there just after after uh, after practice this early last year, um, just for some lunch. And she was bartending for us, and so we're we're just kind of chatting as we we're all sitting there having a, a beer and some food after practice. And then wow, we were chatting. I'm like, oh, you coming to the game on Saturday? And she's like, no, I don't go to football games. <laughs> And we're like, okay, well, are you, are you gonna be out afterwards? We'll probably go out after the game, and and then uh, and so and she's like, yeah, I'll probably be out. We're like, oh, so I told her where we we're gonna be, and she ended up showing up. And oh wow, yeah, and the rest is history, as they say. That, that, so now has she become a football fan? She's going to the games oh, now, yeah. I hope. Yeah, she comes to every game. She's a football <laughs> fan now. We, we, we had to, we had to do some teaching. But oh really? Her dad's a big hockey guy, so mm-hmm. her well, fa- her whole family grew up with all hockey. So okay, like how I, I'm not. I hope I'm not embarrassing her but how uh how extensive like did you have to teach okay first down three downs six points no she like she played baseball growing up and hockey and so she knew like she had a pretty good grasp like her family's a sports family they just weren't really huge on football so she knew the the basics she knew the difference between canadian and and nfl like three downs four downs but she just didn't know what the positions were okay what kicking the some of the technical stuff right okay fair enough Justin Sorensen from the Edmonton Eskimos joining us on Inside Sports. So you you do a very public staged engagement. Was there how confident were you she was going to say yes? I, I I had a fairly good idea. You had a marriage discussion, obviously. Oh, we talked about okay. it, and we'd gone and looked at rings um, a month or so before that. Uh, she must have got suspicious because we went and looked at rings, and then I never brought it up again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so she, she might have thought something was up. Yeah. Uh, okay. What, what do you think the What do you think the most difficult thing is going to be for her to be married to a pro football player? Um, I think the hardest part is just sometimes like the hours. Like during the season, we're we're gone for 
you know every other weekend we're gone and then and then to be honest in the off season one of the hardest parts too is that we're home all the time is that like it, she comes home and I'm sitting on the couch because I already got my workout in for the day right. and then I go again with her in the evening but that's one of the hardest parts too is just the the difference in schedules and like I know it's hard when guys are gone all the time and that's really hard on athletes wives and girlfriends when they're always in the road but as a football player you don't travel as much as a lot of other sports but still that's hard when you're gone for three or four days especially that long stretch we had in the season when we were gone for what was it yeah seven four, out, days, seven four out, road games in a row no yeah. seven out of eight games that we were on the road right at the tail end so that was a little tough on her but and i think too i mean hopefully my body is in good shape when i'm done football further down the road but i think a lot of athletes too have trouble with that when further down the road their bodies are a little more beaten up than the average person well i'm glad you brought that up because i wanted to ask that has she brought up or has there been a conversation where maybe she said okay you know i read hear stuff about concussions i've seen stuff that has happened to your teammates or other players in the, in the league is is that a worry for her uh well to be honest her dad brought it up to her because her dad was a pretty high level hockey player um and he's pretty beat up from his years in hockey because he was a he was a, a scrapper back in the day um and and he played uh he played just right below the nhl and so he's pretty beat up now and so he kind of told her like if you're gonna if you're gonna marry an athlete and you gotta know that when they're 40 they might not be moving around as well as a normal 40 year old so she kind of knew the risk and understood it that's eskimo center justin Sorensen. more with him when we get back it's the best of inside sports on 6 30 Chad. This is Oscar Cleft from, from your Edmonton Oiler, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Always great to have an athlete tell you what goes on behind the scenes as he and his teammates get ready for a game. My name is Reed Wilkins, best of inside sports on 630 Chad, and that was one thing that was really cool about talking to Eskimos center Justin Sorensen as we Launched into a little bit of a chat about music. This is Cam Talbot. This is Oscar Clefbaum. This is Zach Cassian. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. This is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers. Help bring Christmas to those who might otherwise go without. Please support 630 Chad, Santa's Anonymous. Remember to check out santasanonymous.ca to find out how you can help Justin Sorensen from the Eskimos in studio groove into a little Corey Hart. You probably weren't quite born when that song came out. I was. I, I, I know the song, though. I definitely know the song. <laughs> What's your pump-up music before a game? Do you have anything? Uh, honestly, or is it whatever Odell plays? Well, I mean, the locker room does get pretty loud, but actually the O-line gets in there earlier than everybody else, so we play rock music for about an hour and a half over the over the over the speakers and then when everybody else rolls in it quickly gets changed to rap music okay now rock are we talking give me a give me a sense of who you play uh, like the cranberry zombie okay yeah. we play or like uh like thunderstruck acdc stuff like that stuff makes you feel mean yeah just like get you ready <laughs> Uh, Justin Swartzen checking in Inside Sports on 630. Chad plays for the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, recently engaged, so congratulations on that. Thanks for sharing the story. That's that's uh, that's really cool stuff. You are six foot eight. Yes. When did you uh, blossom? <laughs> when did you have your growth spurt? And it's like, oh, I'm getting big. I've always been the biggest kid. Okay. Um, I don't think I grew after grade nine. Really? Yeah. So I was this tall in grade nine. That's why I was a basketball player as well. So was, was it basketball first? Uh, I, basketball was my first. I mean, I played football and basketball. I loved both of them, but I probably liked basketball more than football. 
and then in grade because I played in the provincial team in grade nine and ten, and then this is all Vancouver area, all, the BC. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then in grade eleven, the provincial team coach didn't take me because he said that I already had football offers and he wanted to give somebody else a chance. Oh, and so that kind of was like, all right, and so that's when I started training hard for football because the basketball the provincial team would travel all summer before football started oh i see and so then once they did that then i was like all right i'm gonna concentrate on football and and then i started training lifting really hard for football and made basketball a lot harder and you got to play for south carolina and you were telling me uh during the break you got to play for one of the most famous uh, old ball coaches ever two, steve, two steve Str- who else uh, uh lou holtz recruited me oh wow I redshirted my first year under Lou Holtz, and then Steve Spurrier came in, and I played four years under Spurrier. So did Lou Holtz himself call you or visit you? How did that go? Uh, he, yeah, he called me on the phone several times, Yeah, probably five or six times. He, Lou Holtz didn't come and visit me. Um, the assistant coaches did. Flew all the way from South Carolina to, down to the Vancouver Island. That must have been surreal. Like, can he, and, I, and I know there are more Canadians excelling in football in, in both leagues, so I don't want, I don't want, I don't want them to sound ignorant here, but there must have been something to be, you know, a Vancouver high school kid and a major American football college is given is wants you to come play. Oh, absolutely. And I wasn't, I wasn't even a Vancouver high school kid. I was a Vancouver Island. Oh, right. Yeah. My, my town is like 15,000 people and, and it was, and it wasn't our football team. Our school was 900 kids, I think. And so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was surreal for sure. And it was pretty crazy. I mean, all these coaches flying in to see me, my phone ringing off the hook every day for people calling. I mean, we'd have every day we'd get four or five, six letters in the, in the mail. And I'd open up and read them. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty cool experience. So what well, what put South Carolina over the top for you then? Uh, it was probably the best school that offered me, at least in the best conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it, it was my only SEC offer. Okay. And I probably I had, I had I got six or seven other offers from from other Division One schools that are good, but smaller conferences. Um, and then obviously a lot of people recruiting and sending letters, but the offers are the big things, right? What was it like playing there? Uh, I guess both from a fan intensity angle and also from a competition angle, because sometimes a middle of the pack SEC team is still ranked in the top twenty-five. Oh yeah, I mean it was it was crazy. I think I think I, I think I played right started a right tackle for thirty-two games um, at the tail end of my career, so the, the three, four, and five. Um, and I think I played against twelve DNs who went in the first round in the NFL. Oh, so, so like the. Do you remember anybody specific that? Uh, David Pollock, remember he broke his neck and he's uh, doing announcing now. Yeah. He played against him. Gaines Adams, Clemson. Yeah. He's passed away. Um, in a few, like few more. Like, I mean, LSU, Florida. A lot of those guys put out big time D, D linemen. And so I don't remember any other names. Those are two big ones for sure. How crazy is a game day? It's, I mean, I know you're not with the fans, but you got to be. But aware. I've been down there tailgating too yeah, right. since, right? <laughs> and like my my redshirt year, I tailgated a bit too, so I've seen all parts of it. And it, I mean, it's nuts. You, you got two hundred thousand people outside the stadium tailgating, and only eighty eighty seven thousand going for the game. And I, I remember my first game because with Lou Holtz, he didn't he didn't believe in the walk ons dressing unless they were going to play. So Lou Holtz dressed his scholarship for um, even people who were redshirting his scholarship guys he dressed and so I remember my very first year running out against Georgia so we played Vanderbilt in the road first and then we played Georgia at home the second game and I remember running out 
the tunnel for the start, like for the for the start of the game. And when you're standing in the tunnel, you can just you know you're the grass is vibrating, like the ground's vibrating because everybody's on their feet just screaming. I mean, almost ninety thousand people up jumping and screaming, and and they have a pretty cool entrance too. It's the two thousand one Space Odyssey is the song when the Gamecocks run out, and so it's it's pretty nuts. It's crazy. Uh, what do you what do you think's the toughest play to play in the CFL? Toughest toughest place to play? Well, I used to say Saskatchewan because of the noise, but they've had a couple down years. Mm-hmm. So, and Winnipeg is pretty loud too. But honestly, it kind of just depends on the year. Depends who's who's up and who's doing good. But as far as noise go, obviously Saskatchewan and Winnipeg are the two loudest. And then you really gotta you gotta go on the key or you gotta go on foot and stuff. But I don't know. It's as an, a veteran, as a veteran group on the O line, that's usually the noise usually most affects. Besides maybe the receivers every once in a while, but that's all waggles with hand motions. Mm-hmm. But as a veteran O line, we've done it so much now that the noise isn't even really that big of a deal anyway. So it's kind of now is who, who's playing the best at home that year. Uh, we're running short on time here. I wish we could put you go longer, but but you could have been a free agent. Uh, you re-signed with the Eskimos. Uh, why? Why not see what else was out there? Uh, there was a bunch of choices for me. I've played on three teams now. I'm not trying to go play in a fourth. It's not fun moving cities, meeting new teammates, earning a new job. I mean, obviously you got to keep your job when you're a starter, but going to a new team and then fighting all that, learning a new system, learning a new city. I mean, even even the annoying part of finding a place and getting furniture and moving your car out there, like all those things, are just so huge. And and then obviously the most important reason is that I found a girl here, and so I want to stay here. Well, we're happy to have you because uh, I think people remember the play the O line suffered when when you when you were hurt, and uh, that was probably the most Riley got got hit when when you were out of action. So, Justin, thanks for coming in. I hope we can do this again. It was great to get to know you a little bit and uh, enjoy Christmas and uh, the Edmonton win and I hope the wedding is beautiful <laughs> whenever it is. And, uh, yeah, it's great to do. I'm really glad you came in. All right, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That's fun stuff with Eskimo Center, Justin Sorensen. Quick break for the 7.30 news, and then we'll get a little funny. Stand-up comedian Paul Meyerhog, huge Oilers fan. He's up next. Best of Inside Sports on 6.30 Chet. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Reed Wilkins, it's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. You know, the best thing about doing a job like this is all the different people you get to talk to, and uh, we're going to welcome in a guy tonight who is indeed different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Meyerhog is joining us in studio. He is a stand-up comedian, a proud Albertan, and a proud Edmonton Oilers fan. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Reed. This is great. I should tell people how we met. It was about three weeks ago. Uh, not on Tinder. No, surprisingly. <laughs> surprisingly enough. <laughs> we met uh, We met in Lloydminster at uh, a fundraiser for the Midget AAA team. I was there as the uh, opening speaker, and you closed off the night with a bang doing doing your great stand-up. That's right, yeah. And, and in between us was Barry Stafford. It was uh, one of the most bizarre shows as far as opening acts I've ever had in my in my 15-year career. It was bananas. So you have a, a, a radio star and, and an Oilers alumni, and, and then you got to... You got to go up with my little skits. It was it was hilarious. You know what I appreciate about you is you, you incorporated stuff Barry and I had said into your material, and I admired that because I know from working with Andrew Gross, and I had two brief 
opportunities to do my own stand-up through Andrew's Comedy Festival, but I'm doing like five minutes. And I know how the thought you guys put into your acts and all the writing and, and honing it, yet you could still work in improv stuff on 20 minutes notice. Like, is that tough or do you look for opportunities to do that? In that scenario there, that was purely survival because <laughs> that one, it was, I don't know if you remember, but I got on not till about 11 p.m. or something and, and the bar was rocking and there was table conversations going. So um, in that, I knew I needed to grab the attention of the audience and there's no better way than, than laying into Barry and, and you and, and incorporating and, and improv and uh, it just makes you really present inside the room and I knew if, if I tried to go straight into my act then the audiences are like uh, angry dogs or bees they sense fear and they would have been all over me man those tough Lord Minister boys would have been would have been ridiculous so that was just yeah pure survival instinct and, uh, and it was fun though that was a great show you're a huge Oilers fan and we, and we want to talk about the hockey team um, but you your career path is really interesting and, and you told me a little bit of it, but I, I think people will be interested and we want to flesh it out a bit here. First of all, starting in stand-up comedy, a lot of people would love to do it. A lot of people would love to be Jerry Seinfeld and make millions and get a get a, a sitcom and, and then tour at his, at his convenience. And it's so great, right? But he's like the point zero zero one percent But if, So what made you think, alright, I gotta try it. I think I'm funny enough and I, and I want to try to make a career out of it. Oh man, I uh, yeah, I mean, I still want to be a stand-up comic if it's compared to Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, I, I wanted to start when I was in high school. I was sneaking into bars when I was 16 um, to watch it in cameras, and uh, I always just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Uh, and honestly, uh, my vision was very narrow. I thought, you know, um, uh, a headlining tour with Yuck Yucks through Edmonton and Calgary and 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 Lloyd and and uh, and Grand Prairie and Fort Mac. I thought that was my Hotel California when I was that. I thought, you know, what if that was it? Then I I. I I would have been just happy with that as a career for sure. I just I thought it was uh, I thought it was amazing just traveling around and telling jokes and uh, yeah. See, that's evidence of your passion because I think most 16-year-olds drink into bar or sneak into bars so they can drink. Yeah. You just wanted to watch stand-up <laughs> comedy and get some get supporters. Yeah. yeah, it was funny because in cameras too, if you were underage and somebody else in the bar knew you were underage, they could they could tell the the staff, the bartender, and then you would get a free pitcher of beer bought for you. So when when the money was running low, they They'd look around and they'd see an underage guy and be like, "Oh my rock, he's 16." And then you get tossed <laughs> and they get a free pitcher of beer. Nice, it was, yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Paul Meyerhock joining us in studio inside Sports on 6:30. Chat. So, did you remember uh, a first gig that either? Well, I'll frame it this way: that either went really well or really, really bad, and had you at a crossroads. Actually, uh, you know what? This is interesting because my first. I, this is a very clear memory. I was with Gross, your uh, your uh, your work partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the first gig that I remember going horribly. And interesting enough, I know I I made the move over to England. But uh, it, the gig was for the uh, British military in um, Suffield Army Base outside of Medicine Hat. And uh, Andrew was closing. I was going on first. I was meant to do a half an hour. And uh, I made it to about four minutes, I'd say. I mean, they were vicious heckling, and I'd never dealt with that level of heckling before. The UK audiences are, are very boisterous. They don't mind joining in. And uh, and I just remember Andrew's um, floating lighter in the back of the room telling me to, like, that was the symbol to get off right now. You're losing really? this room, and it's time for me to save the day. And, uh, uh, yeah, that was a big eye-opener. That's the first, you know, tough situation I was 
was in for sure. It was bad. How did you bounce back from that? Um, yeah, you just, uh, you know, you, you just got to have, it helped me get a little leathery skin, I'd say. And, uh, you know, and you, oh, the, the vets will say, oh, it happens all the time and shake it off and, and, uh, uh, and go in with a better game plan than, you know, have a, I, I could have used the tricks that I did in Lloyd Minster and try to be a little bit more present in the room and some improv off the top instead of trying to ram your first joke down their throat to, to nothing. <laughs> they just, they can see it coming and they they just jumped on me like a pack of wolves. See, that that's so interesting because your material, um, I, I would assume more or less stays the same. Like, I know you write new jokes, but I, I would assume you have a set. Yeah. So it, it must be, is it still that little bit of... Uh, I don't know exactly what the word is, but that but that unknown going into each one where it's like, okay, last night everybody laughed and everybody was at my mercy. I was just killing it. Tonight, I don't know if that's going to happen. Do you still have that? Oh, I, for sure. I before when I'm standing in the wings of every show, I don't know. Like, I don't care how big it is. If it's an hour taping for the Comedy Network, uh, or if it, or just some, you know, I'm working on new material on a, on a Monday night in Calgary. I have the same exact thoughts, and that is, you are you're going to die tonight. Like, they are not going <laughs> to laugh at you. It's going to be horrible, and you start sweating. And uh, yeah, and and I don't know if every comedy like that but uh but i certainly am and uh but but it keeps you i think that energy inside of you i think is what keeps it fun and exciting but yeah i, I convince myself that i'm the, like i want to convince myself to leave the room like okay i quit i'm not doing it and, and same with lloyd minster i was like you yeah, know what they can keep their money i'm out of here this is gonna really? be terrible you that a night, wow that's, that's amazing yeah, and then you get up there and and you know i've been doing it for 15 years and it's still every night for sure wow that's amazing uh how do you deal with a heckler um, yeah, it's a, it's a, I think every comic has a lifespan of, um, of how you deal with it. At first, maybe you start off a little bit too meek and then, uh, and then you get really, you know, years go on, then you get really angry with them and you, and you go way overboard and right down their throat and, uh, and then you lose audiences that way. Cause they're like, why is this guy being such a jerk? You know, he's just having, yeah, we're just having fun. And then, right. and then you end up leveling off. But, uh, but yeah, the, I mean, as you as you go on in years, you just you basically just let them talk and uh, and and try to breathe and not panic because uh, if you just kept uh, setting bear traps, eventually they're going to walk into it and say something ridiculously stupid and then uh, and then jump all over it. Well, that's probably a good way to handle it because most of the the, the rest of the audience is there to hear you, not him. So mm -hmm. if you just let the guy talk, the audience will probably turn on him, right? Not you. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you just like, yeah, try to be calm and, and away you go. Comedian Paul Meyerhart joining us in studio. All right. Tell us a little bit about where you work now, because don't you split your time between here and Europe? Yeah. The last five years I lived uh, full time uh, overseas in, in uh, North London. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, uh, I'm going back there in March and, um, uh, and I'm there for I don't know, five months, I come home for a month and then I leave for another three. Um, so yeah, the majority of my career now is spent uh, uh, in England and uh, I think I'm up to 
36 countries around the world now uh, uh, have done stand-up. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, so. Well, so here's why, 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 was, why is London the right place for you to be as a stand-up comedian? Um, there is a pack of guys that uh, from Canada that went over there that I just thought were the coolest comics. Um, they're uh, Craig Campbell, Tom Stage, Sean Collins, um, and uh, and I always just, uh, and Glenn Wool, I mean, um, I always just admired their career path. I just, I, I love the travel, I love the adventure, um, you know, and in Canada, I, I think there's about 28 comedy clubs across the country, and and then the UK, there's, you know, 300 of them in a, in a space that would fit on Vancouver Island, you know? It's really? Just, like yeah. all London and around London, eh? It's just, it is work crazy. You're doing, wow. you know, five comedy clubs a night in London versus, you know, one show a night uh, in Canada, so it's just... Uh, they just love their stand-up over there, and they love Canadians. They're not huge fans of Americans, but... Uh, <laughs> so you wear the Maple Leaf yeah, on your T-shirt? Absolutely, yeah. Hey, everybody, so, laugh, I'm Canadian. Yeah, yeah, backpack and the patch on my <laughs> back, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and so I always, I just sort of looked up to those guys, and I thought, you know, what a what an unbelievable way to, to spend a career uh, uh, traveling on the international circuit. So I uh, so I took a risk and, and moved over there. I moved over there with nothing. I didn't have a manager. I didn't have, uh, you know, I just had a two-year visa for... Or, and uh, and thought I'd I th- thought I'd give it a whirl. What's the most annoying stereotype people in Europe have about Canadians? Um, you know what? Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's this stupid this joke that just annoys the hell of me. It's um, uh, how can you tell when you run over a Canadian in your car? And then uh, the punchline is because uh, uh, when you you roll down your window to check and you can hear sorry. From, the, from so the that's windows. the joke they tell in yeah. England about us. Yeah, that's just it's always the too polite. We're we're too polite. We're always saying sorry and stuff. And uh, but I tell you, it's a, it's a lot better. All the Canadian comics over there, when you're on stage, you mention you're from Canada within the first twenty seconds and watch the whole audience just recoil because they think you're American to start off and you're about to get destroyed. And then say, oh, I moved from Canada, and you can just ooh, they all take a deep breath and they're like, okay, we'll we'll at least listen to them for thirty seconds. This is Jordan Eberle from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Thanks for tuning in to the show tonight. I'm Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports Best of Edition tonight. And, man, we had a lot of fun in recent weeks with a lot of different guests. And this half hour, we're featuring comedian Paul Meyerhawk from Camrose. Now, uh, most of the time in London and touring through Europe, but he comes back and does shows uh, around uh, Edmonton and Alberta every uh, every so often as well. So it was great to, to catch up with him. Now, I had Paul Meyerhawk on the same day we had Eskimo Center Justin Sorensen on, and you just heard that interview as well. And Sorensen told that incredible story about getting engaged after a game on the field earlier this season and Meyerhog was saying man that's a pretty hard engagement story to live up to yeah I did yeah because I, I, th- I was thinking uh, my girlfriend is laying in a in a hotel room in Paris right now and she woke up at 3 a.m. to listen and she texted and I was sitting in my Jeep outside of the studio and I was already I saw uh, Justin's Jeep and he's got a way cooler Jeep than me that's for one he's got this badass Jeep and then 
I hit my girlfriend texts and says like, "Oh, I'm so excited!" And just she starts listening, and then she he tells this unbelievable engagement story about pulling a ring out, you know, on field and proposing during a game and all this sort of stuff. So I just I hope you're listening, Justin. Thanks a lot for ruining every chance we all have to have a decent proposal to our girlfriends from now on. Like what about yeah, yeah, pulling out a ring and proposing on stage at Yuck Yucks isn't going to quite you know turn my girlfriend's crank these days after that story. Story is ridiculous, hilarious. Uh, your girlfriend's listening online from Paris. From Paris, yeah. What's her name? Uh, Cecile. Hi, Cecile. <laughs> Hi, Reed. Hi, Reed. <laughs> Je te blesse. Je te blesse, mon amour. Well, is, she, is she in comedy? Uh, no, she's not. She's uh, she's a uh, uh, air hostess with uh, with Air France. All right. So I, I asked Justin, what's the hardest part about uh, being in a relationship with a football player? Yeah. What's the hardest part about being in a relationship with a stand-up comic? Um, you know what? I think, um, you know, lack of money. Uh, <laughs> 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 Giant ego. No, um, I think, uh, you know what? I, I, I believe it's probably the travel, you know? I say I'm, I'm gone. I travel, you know, the, this tour that I'm about to go on is, um, uh, I start, you know, December 27th and I'm touring till March 11th. It's oh. 60 cities. It's, um, She's gonna. She is gonna visit in Whistler. I mean, that it's definitely. Uh, it's a lot of travel and a lot of time apart. I'd say, but you know, she's uh, she's a flight attendant, so she she does her own share of traveling. So this uh, this seems to work. So at least she she understands. Absolutely. Um, so when you do a relationship joke on stage. Hmm. Uh, is she comfortable with that? If it's about her, or um, if it's based on her? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, You've never asked. Just yeah, don't just, ask. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Better ask for, for forgiveness, is the old saying, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not too much of a relationshipy. Co- I don't. Th- I can't think of any jokes. Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit more. You did whimsical. a little bit in Lloyd, but not, yeah. not like. The, oh, you left the toilet seat up. Right? <laughs> yeah. you, you were, you were, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not really like, uh, but uh, you know. What, I'm going to start writing specifically about her, and then we'll, we'll see how it works. <laughs> Test the strength of the relationship. There you go. I'm, yeah. glad, I'm glad I could inspire you, Paul. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, you're a huge Oilers fan. First of all, when you're traveling so much and you're living... In, in London or traveling in Europe. How, how, how do you follow the team? What's your lifeline to the team? Yeah, it's a lot of reading and uh, and to be honest with you, we were talking during the break was, um, you know, as comics, we do tons of radio. I mean, I've done radio in Malaysia and Hong Kong. We do tons of it, but this is the first time I've sat in a studio with a radio show that I actually listen to and I listen to it faithfully. It's way different, you know, you're, you're nervous because I, I know I know you. I feel like I know you because I when I'm overseas, I listen to the show and I, I, li- I listen to Stoffer and uh, and that's sort of the that's sort of the lifeline and I think it is for you know everybody uh, uh, like my mom is a huge fan and it, this has been hilarious because this today has validated my career for her sitting in this studio oh, with you like I remember I, w- I went to Afghanistan with the Governor General of Canada and had Christmas dinner in Kabul with the Governor General and she's like that's nice yeah anyway and I was like I'm gonna be with Reed Wilkins she called a family meeting she's freaking out I be, this is it this this show so we're everybody from from this area um the the you know the the 630 chad's a lifeline and and of course i uh, oilers nation i read um faithfully every every uh every morning and um and nhl.com tsn i mean i just uh it, you you basically just become a, a reader a, a, an insane reader well thank your uh, mom for the her re- reduced expectations from about <laughs> fame uh <laughs> you're, yeah you're you're 
more important than the Governor General of Canada, Reed. That's incredible. Uh, can you watch games there? I mean, certainly the time change is challenging, but yeah, are yeah. they accessible even? Yeah, well, um, they're never on BBC. We get some NFL, I can't think of an instance where me and my mates have been watching a hockey game on BBC, but I'm a subscriber to uh, NHL.com, so um, uh, yeah, I'll get up, I'll, I'll at least watch, you know, some highlights. Uh, but it's annoying, because they play the same commercial before every <laughs> single highlight. Right. If anybody from NHL that you gotta change the same thing, same thing. Unbelievable. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll watch games that way. If I happen to be up at uh, 3, 4 in the morning, then I'll catch it live, and, uh, and of course, during playoff times, then, then I just changed my whole sleeping cycle. I'm uh, I'm up till six and and sleep till three uh, three p.m. Life if, of a comic. If we get there again, you're in your thirties. Uh, yeah, I'm thirty four. So you've uh, you're old enough to remember Stanley Cups, uh, and you've been through the uh, decade of darkness, as it's been called. Uh, where are you at the, this year with uh, with your team and with the team and your your hopes for the Oilers? Oh, um, even through the decade of darkness, I um, I was with them uh, religiously, and uh, and I did. I watched. Uh, every game I could um, this year uh, is really exciting because um, you know me and uh, me and mom and dad were talking about it last night where we're playing meaningful meaningful games now and uh, and that's a huge step for this organization and uh, and we don't have the right to complain anymore at all like any caller that from this show should not be complaining because we you know and having McDavid you're not allowed to complain when you have Connor McDavid on your team it's like uh, it's like the prom queen a beautiful girl complaining Complaining about split ends, no one wants to hear it. We have the best thing in the world, you know. Like, like just relax and enjoy it. It's just been a wonderful ride. And even when we're losing, you know, it's 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 only by a goal. And and the hockey's you know, top quality. Our defense is amazing. Like it's just so nice to see them cycle it out of the zone and actually you know shut it down. You know, Larson and Clefbon were. I mean, the Swedish house mafia. I call them that that line. And it's just I I'm I'm loving every game, even when we lose it's just uh it's a it's a pleasure to watch all right we're into the final minute tell people uh if they can see you in the near future or or find out where you're playing online or follow you on twitter give people all that info okay cool um yeah this tour that i was talking about it's 60 cities and and this radio station would stretch to a lot of them i mean it's camrose it's lloyd minster it's uh grand prairie it's uh it's called the snowed in comedy tour we go through we do the theaters it's a it's a comedy tour based on snowboarding there's four of us pete sedlacker dan quinn damon schritter our Barker from Flight of the Concords, Craig Campbell. This is a, it's a star-studded lineup. Uh, so go to SnowdenComedyTour.com. You can follow me at Paul Meyerhog on Twitter and find me on Facebook. My fan page is there, and uh, um, yeah, and then there you go. And I tweeted out if you follow me at Reed Wilkins, you can get uh, Paul's handle because I tweeted out. And there's a nice picture of him too, if you want to imagine what he looks like. There you go. You're a solid seven, I would say. You think so? Well, you swiped left on me at Twinder. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Paul, thanks so much for coming in. Great segment. Thanks, brother. That's comedian Paul Meyerhog. A lot of fun with him. Well, that's been a best-of edition of Inside Sports. Besides Paul, you heard from Eskimo Center Justin Sorensen, Toronto Maple Leafs legend Daryl Sittler, former CFL quarterback Matt Dunnigan, and NBA legend, best Canadian basketball player of all time, Steve Nash. Tomorrow, you'll hear from CFL winning quarterback Henry Burris, Brian Benning, he's uh, Matthew Benning's dad, and Phil Esposito, all coming up tomorrow as we have another best of show. This has been the Inside Sports on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks so much for listening.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.